sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Good evening and welcome to Phantoms and Monsters Radio, where we explore and discuss the unknown and the unexplained. I'm your host, Lon Stricter. Thanks for joining me. Now, the Phantoms and Monsters Radio channel is made possible by you clicking and subscribing and uh, by you sharing our programming. Super chat donations are essential for us to continue offering you our unique content and your consideration is very much needed and appreciated. So tonight, we have Reverend Amy Major, who is an ordained metaphysical minister, metaphysical practitioner, and published author. Her unique unique gifts include rescue mediumship, healing, attachment removal, spiritual counseling, and intuitive guidance. She has also been a successful rescue medium and healer in the New England area for 22 years and has studied and worked at the New Millennium uh, Psychic Center in Derry, New Hampshire. Amy also has uh, also the lead medium in the Psychic Ghostbusters team, conducting many spirit investigations and spirit rescues. Always interested in her development, Amy has studied under some of the best mediums in the area as well as specialized schools focusing on psychic and mediumship abilities. A strong proponent of education, Amy instructs classes in intuitive development, mediumship and rescue mediumship throughout New England and through online resources available throughout the world. Amy's main focus is energy healing, attachment removal, rescue mediumship, and home clearing. Amy is a spiritualist and active member of the Church of Spiritual Life in Derry, New Hampshire for over 16 years. Her first book, Toward the Light, Rescuing Spirits, Crap Souls, and Earthbound Ghosts, has gained popularity throughout the spiritual and paranormal communities. Amy's book gained attention from CBS, where she consulted on a pilot television show about rescue mediumship. Amy is also a regular guest on several well-known international spiritual, paranormal radio, and television shows. So, Amy, thank you for joining me this evening. Thank you for having me. It's so much fun. This is, uh, you guys had a wonderful intro. I was like, wow, this is really great. <laughs> Well, we're trying to rebrand the show, and uh, you know, it's it since it's video now and a few other things, we're just trying to upgrade. So uh, I, I'm glad to have you. You know, I, I haven't had you on here for almost well, with me for almost four years now. So I know, uh, I know. yeah, I mean, it's I guess it was around the time you wrote your last book, and uh, that was about the same time you appeared with me, and um, so. What development have there have there been with Amy Major during that four year period? Uh, writing my second book, Life the Way, uh, right. gained a lot of popularity. Uh, training uh, rescue mediums all over the world. I'm now doing international training with people in China, Australia, uh, Scotland, Denmark, 
to Canada, all over. And it's really interesting to see the differences of cultures, religious beliefs, and different uh, community um, changes that happen all around the world. So I had to make my teachings more universal, not as religious, but more universal energy, natural law. So mm -hmm. I had to kind of take that up a bit. I'm doing tons and tons of attachment removal work over the last, gosh, 10 years. It's gotten really heavy over the last few years, getting more into uh, demonic attachment removal, ET removal. Um, you know, there's reptilian energy that's really emerging. We have a, a cosmic shift happening to the world right now. So a lot of people are coming to me looking to remove certain entities from them which I never really thought I'd get into. I always thought it was gonna be more earthbound spirit level, but when we started tapping into things, we realized they weren't those at all. Sometimes fragmented energy, manifested energy, ET energy, implants, <laughs> the reptilian energy, kind of um, taking over the whole chakra system. So I had to learn and develop from there exactly what I was getting involved in. And now I'm writing my third book uh, called Release the Light. And this is all about energy removal, clearing, clearing the chakra system, the energetic body, removing attachments from yourself, either manifested or intelligent. I'm creating certification courses that are international. Um, uh -huh. I'm doing teaching internationally. And I'm also working on a new YouTube show called Spirit Rescues with, a, uh, with other girls. And we're creating a YouTube TV show as well. We're in the filming process of that. So, a lot of stuff has been happening the last few years. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems like you, you've kind of progressed as time's gone by. Well, of course, you know, I mean, I've been a spirit rescuer for a while now. And, I, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past. It's, um, mm -hmm. let's start off like this. Why don't you define your, your uh, interpretation of spirit rescue? Well, spirit rescue has now become a field that's actually shifted and changed over the last 10 years mm -hmm. compared to what it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, a rescue medium is someone that specializes in communicating with entities, mostly earthbound spirits that are stuck in the transition state. We communicate with them to get to understand why they haven't moved on. We counsel them through their issues, and then we also help aid in their transition to the other side with eight of their guides, their angels, their family. So we really work with the healing process of spirits rather than the message work of spirits. Spirit Rescue has now incorporated a field that does energy clearing and attachment removal on top of the rescue mediumship. So now we're doing clearing of entities and spirits out of people. We're doing clearing of entity spirits out of places, businesses, homes, and we have a lot of clearing specialists that aren't mediums that are coming, they're more intuitives or healers, and they're doing a lot of clearing uh, processes to be able to aid in the process of being able to eliminate all fragments, all lower frequency energies of spaces. So it's really evolved over the years. Now, I don't know if I've asked you this before, but how, when did you first realize that you um, had these abilities? Before or after the awakening, there. <laughs> I, 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 I think I, I think I always knew my whole right. life that I had these abilities. 
being able to hear voices. It was mostly started with voices in my head, not really knowing what these voices were, always thinking they were your inner voice. You know, mm -hmm. you kind of watch. Uh, this is your conscience speaking to you. So I just thought my conscience was really intelligent, knew all the answers to all my questions. And then I have a lot of past life dreams, a lot of astral projection, intuitive insight. When I was 15, I actually had my first run in with a ghost. It was mm. a very vivid, very wild experience. Of course, home alone in the shower. That was an interesting experience. And then when I was 22, is when I had a reading with an astrologer, and that's when she laid the law down for me and said, you're a psychic, you're a medium, you're going to devote your life to this work. And I was like, I don't really know what you're talking about. I'm not a psychic. I mean, yes, I, I hear things, but I'm not really psychic. She's like, go, go study. So I went to go to this psychic center in Derry, New Hampshire, called New Millennium, and I said, well, I'm going to go in. If they confirm uh, what, the, what the astrologer said, I'll be fine. I'll study. I'll learn. The moment I walk through the door, they're like, you're a psychic. And I'm like, oh, no. So I started in development circles. I wanted to learn what is the psychic stuff all about. And I would sit in these spiritual development circles. And then I would get swarmed by very heavy frequency energy. And I thought, okay, if I'm a medium, why aren't I connecting up there? Why am I not connecting to the higher plane? This is love. This is kindness. This is generosity they want to give you messages but it wasn't like that I almost felt like they were pulling on me they were grabbing my attention they were needy they were scary they were very forceful and I didn't know what was going on so we'd go to a lot of other mediums and be like what's happening here and they're like well you must have bad energy <laughs> you must have something wrong with you because like energy attracts like energy they're like, like energy attracts like energy. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with my energy. I need to start clearing myself and clear, clear, clear. Well, over the years in connecting with the voices in my head, which happened to be my spirit guides, they kept saying over and over again, no, these spirits need you. You came to this world to help them find the light. Your main purpose as a medium is to go into the dark, connect to the wounded soul, and help them cross over. And I didn't know anything about rescue mediumship. No one explained this to me. In the spiritualist churches, they don't even talk about rescue mediumship. They don't talk about ghosts. They only talk about messages from the other side. So I really didn't have anything to reference or go off of. I had to do a lot of Googling uh, to find the actual term rescue mediumship, which I found. And there's a group in Australia that coined the term rescue mediumship about 35 years ago, maybe 40 years ago now. And I just started learning everything I put online. April Sharon out of the New Millennium Psychic Center started teaching me about house clearings. And so it just really started developing over and over and over again. 9-11, that's my number. <laughs> that 9-11 that comes to me over and over and over and over again. And I'm like, why? And they're like, 9-11, help, rescue. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's just something I was born to do. I didn't know I was a rescue medium. The spirit knew I was a rescue medium. And no matter how many times I pushed it away, they just kept coming and coming. And it's like mm. hundreds of them coming. So I just developed it over time. And that's why I just started training people internationally because there aren't a lot of reference material out there. There's like, you know, a field guide. Of rescue mediumship. It was like, I think I know what I'm doing, but I'm not quite sure. 
and you go off of what your spirit team is showing you. But my guide said there has to be a field guide. There has to be a general guideline knowledge of rescue mediumship for other mediums to train off of. And that's why they had to start writing my book. Mm. Well, I will tell you this. I uh, Your book has been gifted by me to many of my clients and many younger mediums I, who I've identified since you wrote it. I have, I, I, and I refer your book to many people because it it is it's so easy to read. It's basic, but it gives you a real insight as to what you, what's going on. And uh, I, I I tell you, I mean, I I have heard a lot of great things about your book. So uh, I'm just letting you know I do give it out. I mean, I have gifted many people your book, uh, toward the light, the first one, and uh, yeah. Like the way is, is the field guide for those who want to train as a rescue medium. Toward the light is the general um, idea of what rescue mediumship is, the, the reason why spirits remain earthbound. So it's those who, who want more information but don't want to become a rescue medium. Whereas the light yeah. the way actually gives you a step-by-step development to become a rescue medium. Well, yeah, it is. And, you know, I tell you, and I told you the first time you and I met, uh, on, on my, my earlier show, um, I was impressed and, uh, it, it, it kind of put it all together for me, even though I had been doing this for a while, it answered a few questions for me. You know, this is, let, let me put this through this by, and I think I've said this to you before, but, um, it's interesting when you go into a, um, when you, you're in with a client, you're talking to a client, you're, you're in going into a case, trying to figure out what's going on. And how many times you identify people who I call beacons that are within the family that, that it seems this energy has drawn to them. They're either intuitives or many are budding psychic mediums, especially kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't ha- begin to tell you how much I talk about the kids. I, I, and I do too. I, I, I do. I have worked with over a dozen kids over the years as far as, um, you know, answering their questions because, you know, they, they really don't know what's going on. It's hard for them to understand. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, they're you know, I, open when they're at that age too. So they're yeah. highly sensitive. Uh, they're open for suggestion. It's, it's kind of like starting kids early in school. Mm-hmm. You need to start them early and be able to give them the foundation that they need so they don't subdue or repress their gifts due to fear. So that's right. and, and teaching right. children at the age six, seven, maybe a little older, and let them know that their gifts are natural. There's nothing mm-hmm. to be afraid of and give them a foundation they can use to to grow and evolve out of. I you know, I remember growing up and feeling so alone and feeling like I didn't have anybody to talk to and nobody understood what I was going through. And I don't want any kids to have to experience that at all. I'm the same way. I, I, you know, I, I had my first real experience when I was nine, but I always knew something was going on and I I never under really understood it until I started, you know, I started reading a few things, but back then you didn't have anything to read really. But uh, I was kind of hit and miss with me. And, um, you know, I'm doing this stuff 
back in the 70s. You know, it's crazy. People thought you were nuts when you said that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember in the 90s when I yeah. started, that's when people were like, oh, we don't talk about this. And I'm like, why is this so, so scary? Yeah. That people don't want to talk about it. And now I'm so thrilled just to see so many people coming out saying, I'm a rescue medium. Like, you, this is so exciting. We've come such a far, a long way with the rescue work. And um, I think it's still evolving. Oh, I yeah. think we're still going into and, and collecting and, and trying to pinpoint exactly where to classify certain skills. Because you know how we group things together and we kind of put them all in a box until we figure them out a little bit more? I still think mm-hmm. that's, that's still happening with rescue work. But I'm thrilled with where it's come at this point. Thousands international that come to me. So and you know, with all, all all the investigations with different things that I've been involved with over the years, uh, coming to a conclusion in a, in a spirit rescue case uh, and, and moving on in Earthbound is probably the best feeling I have ever gotten from working anything. It, it's hard for some people to understand that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you understand it, but I, 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 it, it makes me, I don't know. I just get that. I just get a really good feeling about it. Well, you know, you, you have to say that. And no, no offense to psychic mediumship because right. I do a lot of psychic mediumship work. Right. But psychic mediumship work is really, really helpful to heal those that are grieving. And yes, in the healing of the grieving process is very, very, no doubt about that. But, when you're talking to a child, a mom, a um, somebody who's been a victim, somebody who's gone through trauma, and you see them in such a state of fear, and mm-hmm. they're they're grasping, they're looking for help, and nobody is, is connecting to them, and you're able to not only give them the healing that they're looking for, but you get to aid in a soul's journey and transition back to the light. It's probably one of the best jobs I could ever imagine having in my life. I mean, granted, I, I didn't want anything to do with rescue mediumship for the first six or seven years of my development because I was so afraid of the ghost. Because you always hear of all these spooky ghost stories and all these really, really nasty, very dark entities. Mm-hmm. But I think it was my first rescue of a child that just hooked me in. And it was just a child on a farm in Maine. He had been kidnapped by two men, uh, raped and murdered. And they dumped his body a mile from a house that I was doing an investigation on. And I walked into the investigation. There were two spirits. They, they went right into the light. And I'm like, that was too easy. Like, why was I here? Why? They were ready to go. What's going on here? And I step out the back door, and there's this child running in the field towards me. He's waving his hands, like, I'm still here, don't leave. And, I, and I'm connecting to him, and, I, and he starts showing me the image of this river and, and the horrible things happening to him. And he felt around, around the age 10 or 11 years old. And I didn't think anything of it. He moved to England, so I'm like, okay, 
Well, let me bring in uh, a family member of the other side. His grandmother stepped in. She took him in his arms and went right into the light. And I'm like, oh, that was that was nice. And I told everybody what had happened. And all their faces went white. And they're like, you know who that was? And I'm like, no, I don't know who that was. They said, that was Jeffrey Curley. That was the boy that was taken 10 years ago. He was kidnapped and murdered. They dumped his body a mile from our house. They found it there. And I just went white. I was just like, what are you talking about? I did not know the history of the area. All I knew is there was a child running to me in spirit looking for help. He had been in that state for 10 years. Mm. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And he caught my attention. And I'm thinking, rescue work is amazing. Think about the people we can help, we can save, we can take care of that are wandering for years and years, not being able to connect to anyone to let them know that they're there. So I think our work isn't just needed or accepted. I think it's essential for mediums oh, yeah. to become mediums uh, because it's like there's too many spirits out there that need our help. But we always get the skeptical questions of, well, don't you think heaven or spirit guides and angels have got this figured out? Don't you think they can handle it on their own without you stepping in and, and getting involved? And that's when I have to start explaining the transition process and the perception of the spirit and the vibratory frequency, not being able to connect to their guides and us being the mediator between them and their guides. And so a lot of people have a lot of speculation and judgment around rescue mediumship. It's only because they just don't understand. Right. So that's why it's going to kind of help them teach in a way. Uh, we've got a question from Tamara. She asked, how do we know if there is bad energy around us? I think that's when you really have to step in and use your own radar, your own intuition. We know when we're being threatened in the physical plane. We have a sensation. We have an inner knowing and intuition to feel the shift, the change of frequency around us to understand the intention of the energy coming at us. So we really need to be able to pay attention to what we're feeling. Now, I want people to recognize that when there's earthbound spirits or ghosts around, they're going to have a natural fear reaction. And this fear reaction is based on sensationalism, stereotypes, history, the, the heavy frequency of these spirits and the emotional projection that these spirits are giving off in the space. I don't want people to believe that they're bad just because they feel heavy. You need to be able to decipher whether this is heavy energy or whether this is threatening energy. There's a very big difference between that. So sometimes you just have to stop, breathe, relax, call in your guide, ask for clear intention of what is around you. If you still feel like it's negative, you still feel like it's threatening, then that's when you need to call in help and get professional assistance to get it away from you. Good advice. 
Steve Rowley asked, uh, "What what would tell what would you tell someone messing around uh, with a Ouija board?" Um, I would tell them you're opening doors to uh, realities, dimensions, and spaces that may have energy that you don't want to connect to. And I want to explain to people something about vibratory frequency and intention. If someone's messing around with the Ouija board, the Ouija board already has the intention of connecting to ghosts, not spirits in heaven, but lower frequency energy. Then the intention that's been growing over time through the collective consciousness. Some people do receive loving messages from the other side, but it is very rare. A Ouija board is a physical object with a dense vibratory frequency. And unless you know how to change the frequency of that board, set intention, call in guides and angels for protection, and only ask for loving family members to come through, then you have to expect that you're going to receive a visitor that you don't know who it is, and they probably don't have the best intentions for you. It's a lot of fun, but there are other activities you can do that are more fun. Yeah, I, I myself try to stay away from any type of divination if I can. Uh, I, I know people who have used it, I, I like Ouija boards in particular. I don't like it. I've, I've got an affinity against these things. I mean... They to me they seem to hold energy, bad energy. Uh, you know that's just my you know that's just what happens to me when I get near them. You know, just like when you right. go into a, you go into a show or something, you go into a, a conference, and you got somebody in there selling old Ouija boards. It's like, oh my god, I can't even get near the table. It's like it's hitting me in the face. No, and most likely they haven't been cleared. They haven't been They're clear, carrying absolutely. their collective consciousness intention on the first hand, and then you probably have residual imprints or open portals on top of that. So it's probably a, a good idea to stay away from anything that's going to use. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, Marla likes, might like to know, do you believe that near-death experiences can open up psychic abilities? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think what happens in these near-death experiences, you have astral projection, uh, which is a huge boost to the chakra system. On top of that, you now have a certain belief system that you didn't have before. It raises your frequency into a, a state of knowing, a higher dimensional knowing, because before you probably had depth, before you probably weren't sure if there was an afterlife. Now that you've been awakened to the fact that there is an afterlife, you've had that near-death experience, all of those doubts, all those filters, all those clocks that you would have had have been resolved. And you're now at a higher frequency, opening the chakra system. So you're going to probably have intuitive, mediumistic abilities right after. Hmm. Uh, Vincent, ask, uh, how do you raise your vibrational energy? There are so many ways to raise your energy. You can use tools. As you see, there's a lot of tools behind me. 
to raise yeah. your energy. Uh, one of the best ways, sound frequency. Start using singing bowls, some bells, some music, some chimes. Uh, use energy, uh, such as crystals, plants, flowers. Use the sun or the moon. Sit under the sun. Feel the warmth on your skin. Kind of feel that contentment as you're relaxing. Uh, change your mindset. Stop thinking about all the stresses and the worries of the day. Bring yourself to a positive mindset. Emotionally, start thinking of things that make you really happy, very joyful, and kind of spread that energy throughout your body. Uh, you can do some, go exercise, go dance, you know, have some ice cream. Whatever it is you want to do that makes you feel good. Raising your vibrational frequency or energy should be as easy as just changing the way you feel. Yeah, I... Uh... I've used crystals for many, many years. Uh, even when I'm working, I use crystals, and it does. Uh, it, it really does heighten your abilities, I believe. Uh, I, I don't really know how to explain it, uh, but there are certain there are certain crystals, certain stones and minerals that that work with me personally. I, you know, I, I think everybody's got their own own way of doing that. But, uh, yeah, it does. It does work. Well, if your biometric energy or field responding to certain vibratory energies of the crystals, so if you find ones that best match your vibratory frequency and you find that match with these crystals, and mm. it's almost like they talk to you. Yeah, and mine is actually yttrium fluoride. I don't know what it is about yttrium fluoride, but it... Oh. it it's it's almost like my whole hand starts to shake as soon as I start holding on to it, and uh, I just get that I just get that feeling that where I'm respond to a lot of different you know things around me, and uh, yeah, that does seem to be the one that triggers me. So, um, and, and I tell a lot of my students if they go into a crystal store, mm -hmm. walk around and see which crystals call to you, which ones you feel a pull towards. And then pick them up and see, do they feel, do they vibrate in your hand? Do they say, do they stimulate your auric field? If they do, then start looking at the properties of that crystal because it tells you a little bit about your gift, yourself, your soul purpose, everything you're here to do, your contract, because what they are is an extension of your energy out in front of you, being able to see it outside yourself. Other people use crystals to stimulate their energy to go there, to go lower, to go out, to go in, to ground and root. So listen to the frequency of the crystal. Pay attention to how it stimulates you. And then understand why you need that. You don't even need to use a crystal or pick it up. For me, all I have to do is go to my crystal book open up, look through the pages, and the crystal that I need at that time will jump out at me and feel the, the frequency of that crystal move all through my auric field. And so I'm like, really? oh, that's what I need today. Oh, it's intense. All you need to do is see the picture uh, of the crystal in order to gain the, the energy from it. You don't need it right in front of you. Mm, that's interesting. Exactly. I've never heard that before. 
it's a cheaper way of getting <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it does get a little expensive sometimes. Um, Natalie asked, uh, does everyone have a spirit guide, even those who can't communicate with spirits? Uh, yes, everybody has a spirit guide. And most people can't connect to them. And it isn't that they can't. It's that they don't know how. Right. And our guides, we, we keep thinking that it's their own and they're talking to us. But that's not the way they talk to us. They talk through us as if it's coming from ourselves. It's that sensation, that feeling, that knowing, along with sometimes we hear voices, we feel the energy of answers come through us. And those are our guides. We all have this one spirit guide and one angel assigned to us when we come here on the planet. Mm -hmm. Our guide is here to teach us and help us with our lessons. Our angel is here to heal us and be our guardian throughout our life to make sure we have things we need on an emotional level. So yes, we absolutely do. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fortunate enough. I can connect with mine. Uh, more so with my my guardian angel as opposed to my spirit guide. Uh, but, um, you know, I tell folks, and, you know, I, I guess it's human nature not to, to insist on things, but I tell people, look, you need something, you tell that, you tell that angel what you need. You know. You know. I, you know, I, I have gotten in so many arguments with my guys throughout the years. I've <laughs> yelled at them, I've swore at them, I fired them, I'm like, I'm done with my guides. And they're just standing there like, okay, let us know when you're ready to start over again. They're so patient with us, even mm -hmm. though we get so anxious down here because we want everything now, now, now. And uh, through the years, they kept telling me over and over again, patience, patience. And when you don't have patience, you get frustrated that they're telling you to have patience. And then over the years, when you finally have patience, you're like, you're, you're like, slow down, slow down. Let me just process this right now. It's okay. Give me time. You know when you've developed long enough where you don't need that instant gratification or that immediate result right, right away. You build that patience. But I, I think, you know, receiving signs from our guides and angels is so needed in the beginning stages. This is where you're still learning how to trust not only the spirit world, but trust yourself. Having that validation that what you're receiving is true. So ask for signs and, and be very creative because they love to get creative. Mm. Um, peace is asked, uh, and this is directly to you. Uh, has anyone who's committed suicide received help from you? And have you been able to guide them home? I have had a few suicides um, come to me that I have to tell you. They're usually not looking for help to be guided to the other side. They're looking for help to give a message to their loved one of remorse and apology. Because once 
you move out of your body into a higher consciousness, even if you haven't crossed over all the way, there's a certain knowing that takes us over. There's a certain recollection of our soul's journey that we can tap into. Quite often, most suicides do not become earthbound. And the reason is because they're choosing death over life. They're making the decision to die, whereas most earthbound spirits are fighting the death process. They're not ready to die. They're holding on to life. So suicides really don't remain earthbound because we, I've seen angels standing by on guard ready to take that soul into the light because they, they know it's in the contract that the soul's probably going to do this. It, it, it's anticipated in some way. So they already have their, their team. They already have their guides and angels standing by. They've made the decision to die because they don't want to hold on to their life. So finding the light is very easy for them. It's the remorse that they're holding on to. The only time that I see a lot of suicides that are earthbound is when they change their mind in the middle of the death process. Like they're 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 ODing or they're they're jumping off the bridge. They're doing something where they change their mind right in the middle of the death process and they want to backtrack. They're like, no, 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 we've changed our mind, we don't want to die. So they're holding on to life. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I find them earthbound. And I treat them just like any other earthbound trauma. Wow. I had that happen to me with a with an earthbound uh, who uh, she had hung herself and committed suicide and was trying, I guess, she got second thoughts in the middle of it. And she was earthbound. And, uh, yeah, I, I get it. And I could feel it. I can feel it from her trying to hang on to life and struggling to hang on, even though she tried to commit suicide. Right. It's because it's like a lot of the the suicides, they don't realize the intensity or the seriousness of what they're doing. They, They haven't grasped the concept that this is going to take their life. Sometimes they're doing it just to gain attention or to feel like they want to take their pain away. And until the common sense of the serious nature of this kicks in for them, they really think they want to die. But then in the death process, when it starts to happen, that's when their consciousness takes over and says, wait a minute, I'm not ready to let go. Right. So it can happen. Uh, I've got a uh, daughter of a client of mine who's asking, Brianna, when am when I'm in my basement, I get a glimpse of an adult and child, but I don't get afraid. However, people have told me it's bad. Should I be afraid? I always say trust your own gut. You'll know if it's bad because you're going to have that intuition about you of whether they're bad or not. If other people are saying they're bad, they may be based off of stereotypes again and maybe basing off of what they believe maybe their culture their religion uh, maybe they're just having certain expectations because they're earthbound uh, that they're bad uh, but if you feel 
that you don't have fear. If you feel like they're just there, then I would say try not to have those expectations of fear along those, all those people. That's not to say you should not be discernful because having discernment says, I'm going to try to give this my faith. I'm going to try to help in some way, but I'm going to be cautious and prepared to protect myself if I need to. We can all become healers, but healers have to have a certain level of protection so that we don't become victims. So it's a, it's a, it's a very fine line. I would say trust your gut. And if you always need a second opinion, you know, feel free to send anything over to me to take a look at it for you. Uh, Vincent asked, and I, I know you mentioned something about uh, ETs. Uh, have you ever connected with extraterrestrials or interdimensional entities? Oh, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> me too. All the time. And it wasn't something I was expecting. I have to say the grades were ones that I didn't want to connect to. Because yeah. you, you hear the stories, you hear about the abductions. Uh, but on top of it, I have to say I have uh, a natural anger towards it. I always have, even since I was a kid. It's almost like I feel like as soon as people start talking about the brain, I immediately feel like my warrior energy comes out, and I want to just, like, rip their heads off. And I was like, what is going on? I've never even really connected to a brain before. And I found out through other mediums that there are many of us that have had intergalactic wars with the Greys for a very long time. And I probably were one of those warriors. But I think through thousands of years, we are now trying to move out of that. We're trying to have more of a diplomatic approach with them. And I remember connecting with a woman I was doing an energy clearing on and next thing I know, I have three grays projecting out, looking down at me. And I immediately went into warrior mode and they said, stop. They said, where, where you're going with your work, how you're going to be influencing people, you need to realize this is now something you're going to have to find peace with. We're happy to uh, involve you and show you our work. So that you understand it's a deeper meaning behind what we're doing. But I, I, I declined <laughs> at the time. I'm sure in the future I will be uh, understanding the phrase a little bit more. I've connected with Pleiadians. I've connected with Arcturians. Uh, I've connected with Syrians, Andromedans, Orions. I've connected with all of them. I've connected with um, reptilians. Uh, so... When we say ET, it's like a general name. There are so many different species in in the universe, and I think we're just beginning to understand them. So I, I'm going to have an open mind. Yeah, this comes to Nancy's question. I'd like to uh, hear more about reptilian energy and how they bother people. It's mm. a very long answer. <laughs> It all depends on the intention of reptilians. Uh, to make it short, reptilians have been here on the planet long before humans were. They do carry a, are you still coming in? <laughs> Start talking about them. 
they do carry a denser frequency. Uh, they are protecting the planet, but they're protecting it as a way to say, this is our planet. We're taking it back over from the humans. And we don't know everything there is to know about them because quite often they don't like to talk to us. They see us as place. They see us as hope. They see us as something to feed off of. Uh, mm-hmm. Quite often, a lot of the Reptilian energy go off of people that are very depressed, very anxious. They go after children that have a lot of psychic ability. Uh, and what they do is they take over the chakra system and slowly push the soul out of the body so that they can take over the human form and walk the planet in third dimension. So they're not great for our plant, for humans, they're not great, but we have to say there's a reason for everything and humans aren't the best species on the planet. So we have to keep an open mind with them as well, but Whenever I do see a reptilian taking the free will of a human, I do step in and clear them out. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, the, the, the whole reptilian thing, and I've had clients who have had long histories with reptilians, and um, they do. They, they, they are not friendly, but and they have their own agenda, and they... They don't really seem like they want to work with you, but you got to, you know, they're there. They're there for a reason. And um, I don't know. The people I have talked to have been very disturbed by it, but I don't really see any long-term problems when it occurs. I don't know how it's, you know, how you see it. Oh, I've, I've seen the damaging effects of a reptilian takeover. Really? Absolutely. To the point is their soul wants to try to commit suicide to leave and transition where the reptilians can take over. Uh, the reptilians always show them, present themselves to me as an alligator. Really? I know there's many, there's many species of reptilians, but whenever I step in, the first thing I see is the tail of an alligator. And that's when I know there's a reptilian attachment. It's just the way mm. they present themselves. How do you see them? All right. Uh, Peace is asking, uh, do suicides go to heaven or get to go to heaven? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody can go to heaven. There is no uh, judgment the way that we think that we have here on the planet. Uh, the, The judgment that you were expecting is actually a human condition and a community or a society expectation. Uh, but heaven itself and the spirit world do not judge the way they do because there are deeper meanings behind everything. There are, there are reasons why people commit that suicide and the spirit world sees the pain in that person's heart. How can they possibly judge them for that? If somebody wants to go into the light, there is no um, stopping them from doing that. Yeah, I've I pretty well answered the same way myself. I've had people ask me that a lot. And uh, it, it seems like human dogma and religious dogma kind of condition makes preconditions people to think, well, you die by your own hand, you're going to be sent somewhere else other than heaven. And I just don't buy into that. I'm like you. Uh, it just doesn't. Yeah, it's just not conceivable to me. 
It's like trying to punish someone for being sick or feeling wounded. Exactly. Um, Vincent would like to know, is reincarnation real? And have you had ex- any experience with past lives? A lot. Really? You know, I, I came into this life with uh, past life dreams. A lot of past life dreams. I also, as a child, used to get very confused about which life I was living. Because I would take on the emotions and the memories of who I was in my past life. And this is before I even knew what reincarnation was, but I always had a sense that I had lived before. I had memories of my life. I had dreams of my life. And I think it wasn't until people started talking about reincarnation that I'm like, oh, that's the word. Yeah, I, I totally believe in that. And I and I went through a path like regression, and the first regression I did took me right into the life that I remembered when I was a kid. But they showed me more details. So I absolutely believe in it. It isn't something I believe. It's something I know without a doubt. How many regressions have you been through? Well, (laughs) I've been through uh, two regressions, and then I worked with a QHHT practitioner, which is the Mm -hmm. quantum healing. And they take you into past lives. They take you into at least three per session. And I was starting to be used as a channel for people who couldn't go into the hypnotic state. So I would become a channel of other people's higher selves. So I mm-hmm. had to go through several past lives to get me into a hypnotic state to become a channel. So I've seen probably about 12 lives through that. Process. Really? I'm debating yeah. having it done for myself. Um, you know, I, I, I've really not wanted to do it for a long time. I have been witness to regression sessions. Uh, but for whatever reason, I, I, I'm kind of getting the urge to have it done. I don't know why that is. Maybe as I got older, I want to do it. What do you think? I think it's so much fun. I really, really? Do. And, and don't feel that you're going to have an attachment to that past life because you don't, it's not the same. It's just like going into a memory. Do you have an attachment to a memory? Most likely it's just going through a vivid um, dream where you're just remembering parts of your past. And quite often, a lot of people need to let go of the expectation of who they were because it's like, everyone's like, Oh, I was a King or I was a Cleopatra or, you know, Julius Caesar, everyone seems to think that they were some royal or very important person in the world. And the funny thing is, is every time I went into a past life regression, I was poor. I was a slave. I was, you know, I was being of service. I was a priest. I was a nun many, many times. Uh, so it really? wasn't a life of luxury. They were usually really hard lives that I had to live. So. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think you'd really enjoy it. I can, I can tell you your pathways because I can step into your karmic body and tell you them. Uh, really? But I think going in and experiencing them and seeing them for yourself is a whole other experience. You and I might have to hook up one time. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. They just take me on your soul's timeline and I just start oh, seeing really? images and the karma you brought in through those lives. Right. So. 
That's a lot of fun. Uh, Deepakalus asks, what are your thoughts on reoccurring nightmares? Well, reoccurring dreams are usually messages that the spirit world is trying to get you or a way for your subconscious to analyze something that you're still trying to find closure on. If you're having reoccurring nightmares, it's usually the same thing. It's probably a projection that your subconscious and your conscious mind are trying to heal you from. Usually, it's something you suppress into the subconscious body, the lower chakra mm-hmm. system, so that you're not feeling the emotional um, pain. Uh, usually the reoccurring nightmares have some type of symbology behind it. So what you see may not actually be the reality of what is, but rather a symbolic uh, visual for you to analyze what you're still holding on to. Mm. Well, Amy, why don't you tell the folks how they can get in contact with you? And uh, what's coming up with Amy and uh, and a bit about your, your upcoming book? Absolutely. Uh, I love it when people reach out to me. If you can reach out to me through Facebook, Amy Major, Spirit Rest Specialist. If any of you are interested in developing mediumship, I have a recipe mediumship group that's public on Facebook as well. I'm on Twitter. I'm now on TikTok. I'm also on Snapchat. I am working with the with the team to develop the Spirit Rescue TV show. So we're also going to have our social media apps as well. But you can always reach me through my website of amymajor.com. And there's a little link there where you can send me a message at the bottom of my website. And I, I open any emails, any questions you guys have. I do receive a lot of them, so I apologize if I can't get to them right away. But I I love it when people reach out and tell me how enthusiastic they are about this work. Well, Amy, I tell you, yeah, thanks for connecting again with me. I mean, this is the third time we've had an interview. Um, God, over how many years now? I guess about six or seven years. Uh, But uh, it's always great to have you on and good to update with you. And uh, maybe you and I can talk uh, more intently at some point because I, I am actually thinking about regression. So uh, maybe we can talk about that at some point. I'd love to. It would be a lot of fun, at least a lot of fun for me. Let's make sure it's fun <laughs> Okay. Well, you have a good weekend, and uh, thanks again for taking taking questions. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Mm-hmm, you too. Now, if uh, you have an unexplained encounter or sighting, feel free to contact me directly at lawnstripperphantomsandmonsters.com or through the Phantoms and Monsters blog site. Also, if you'd like to have your encounter or sighting read on the show or even posted on Phantoms and Monsters, uh, please forward uh, your sighting in detail to my email. Uh, I want to again thank Amy Major for joining me this evening. And thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. And if you made a super chat donation, it's truly appreciated. Your support is what makes all this possible. Uh, please click the subscribe button 
and also become a member of Fams and Monsters Radio. Now, next week, alien experiencer David Eckhart will be my guest again, and he'll update us on more recent encounters and projects. Uh, he's got some more photographs that he has taken. He's involved with uh, some media stuff now as well, so we'll get him to update us on that. So it should be a very interesting show, and so if you've got questions, please feel free to come on and ask them. So until next week, stay healthy and have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night.